0: what is up everybody welcome to another episode of the la soccer hub show man it was an insane weekend of Leagues cup um just everything going on obviously you know obviously lafc versus month today what a game what a what a what an insane finish so much going on we'll definitely get into that we'll talk about everything going on moving forward this week uh you got the final uh, of Leagues cup you got uh footy around the world going on you know saudi arabia is making moves or neymar and all these different things but here to help me talk about all that we got justin ruderman again justin how you doing
1: doing well man uh it was a wild game at the rose bowl i think you know we talked about at halftime that it was a little bit underwhelming maybe the the despite lfc being up 2-0 but uh, by the end there were lots of storylines and lots of things to talk about weren't there
0: yeah and it was weird like um i think when you and i when we were talking about like yeah you mentioned at halftime it was, it was to me it was kind of a boring game um i just feel like the game look let's talk about the game at, at, at half that's what i meant the game was a little boring at half but I don't know, i'll explain why but let's first talk about the rose bowl they had to move it to the rose bowl mm-hmm. right and i think moving it to the rose bowl because there was a uh it was a concert at the uh, BMO Stadium Saturday, so obviously I think they got to set up the day before and all these different things, um, which is unfortunate, but LAFC didn't have to travel anywhere. They just had to travel, what, 10 miles north or five miles north, however far, Pasadena is from BMO Stadium. Um, you had that, and I think the biggest thing was like Monterrey had traveled so many different miles from going the East Coast, West, and Bob blah, blah. blah. So I didn't really feel like LAOC was a disadvantage. They were, it was just a little odd that they couldn't play at home. And obviously that's, you know, because they have concerts and that they use BMO more than just uh, more than just the stadium. And I think that's a whole other topic we could get into um, some other time, but yeah, I, I, I felt like going to the Rose bowl was a little odd, but I was like, okay, it's not too bad. Um, and I think obviously, what what when when did they play Tuesday, Wednesday, or whatever? Whenever they 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 beat the team in um who who did who did they beat? I'm losing, RSL. I'm losing my RSL. So when they beat RSL, we find out Friday, or we find out that that they're gonna play Friday against Monterrey at the, uh, at the Rose Bowl, and I feel like there's no way they're gonna sell it out, right? It's just it's just not enough. And then obviously they only sold one section, and at the, at the end uh we found out the attendance was like just over fifteen thousand. so you know that's when you when you when you, if you when we're sitting at in the press box you don't really hear or feel the emotion unless it's packed like when it was like obviously lafc versus LA galaxy so when you don't really feel the, the fans and you know the the emotion and everything uh it kind of felt like for me i was like watching the game on tv right uh like on low volume when you're in the press box so that's why i feel for me i feel like it was weird. Like there wasn't enough energy, uh, for me to like you know in other games where you feel like you know it's high intense rivalry in the quarterfinals. That for me, that that's why that first half kind of felt even though LVC was up a little lo- up to zero, it kind of felt a little boring for me that first half because i didn't feel like i was at the stadium i felt like i was i was watching it at home and it was it was just a weird uh scenario but let, let, let's talk about this uh, obviously justin uh, justin uh 2-0 at the at the first half what did you like what did you see from lafc you ready showtime on may 3rd summer starts with the fall guy what are you doing later let's drink a spicy margarita make some bad decisions yes
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it was, it was the quick start, right? I mean, that that's all it is for LAFC this season is, can you score that first goal? And if you can score within two minutes, draw that penalty within what 15 or 20 seconds um, it it's a great start. And LAFC up until that game had not lost a game this season in which they had scored first. So it looked like a good, you know, first half, especially in those first 30 minutes. And um maddie Bogush was was playing well denny Bowanga was getting a ton and ton of space on that his wing and uh you know just having his way really for the most part um even though monterey were controlling possession still in that first half it was an lafc game plan to hit on that counter attack and um i wrote about that in my preview because that was that was always going to be their game plan but as steve schrindler said post game They should have been able to keep possession more. And that would have been a a big difference throughout the game is can you find those those uh, portions of possession throughout the game and LAC couldn't find that. So when you're dominated for so long, those goals are eventually going to come in. They're eventually going to flow in in that second half um, when you're being dominated 70% possession on the night. So you have to be able to counterbalance that. If you're going to play on the counterattack, you have to have moments where you can have the ball and let your team rest and let your team get some momentum and calmness back into the game because otherwise you're not going to be able to fight against Monterey for 90 minutes in that way.
0: Yeah, look, to me, um, obviously Monterey is the most talented team on paper. Obviously, um, and we knew if Carlos Vela wasn't going to be on there. But even like, um, I think LAC getting that, that, the the Denny Boanga goal a uh, penalty, excuse me, and then obviously Maddie Bogus. Like, I, I realized that in the game that Monterey was just going to have the possession, just they were going to do, and, and to, to your point, the LAC capitalized on those counterattacks, and that's why you saw, that's how the second goal came uh, for Bogus. I saw the the, the the penalty was just right right out the get-go, they just, bam. You know, Danny Bong was doing his thing, and there was also other opportunities for them to get a third goal, which I think hit the, hit the crossbar. Uh, Right before half. But I think one thing that when I looked at the lineup, um, one thing that I didn't like right away was seeing uh, Gonzalez, Mario Gonzalez, starting at at the number nine position or starting up top. The reason I say that is because I know he was available, but in my in my opinion, it takes players it takes players quite a few games, maybe a month or two. We even seen what, what, when Buonga came, when other players have come to come play for LSU, when you go to play a, a new team, it takes you a little bit of time to get adjusted to the teammates. Practices is completely different from game day, right? And you're also playing month Today. day. And I just felt like it was a lot of pressure from Mario. Maybe he, he will turn out to be a, a solid signing, but I just feel like it was so much pressure for him to perform at a high level and perform to do something, um, so well and i didn't feel like he was going to have a good performance because it was just a lot of added pressure from him and he still has to get to know his teammates and the ball and everything and on top of that nathan Ordaz had been breaking out at the league's cup tournament he had he's had back-to-back goals he looked good and in the start against rsl and i was and i was just confused by that start i felt like you could have started nathan and then brian brought in mario and then also like mario is is he is he game fit? Is he able to go 90 minutes? You know, all these different things. Like, to me, like, where he's coming from and all these different things, all those different intangibles and all those different things that, that to me, I was just like, I just didn't like that from right away. And I was very – I wasn't surprised that he essentially – I know he had, like, one pass or one or two different things, but I I initially did not expect enough, more, enough of a – I did not expect too much of Mario because it was his first start and you're going against Monterrey it, it was just too much. You know, and I I don't know if that was a fair... We got a fair assessment of Mario right away, and I just kind of expected that. Like I said, you had Nathan Ordaz who had been having a a solid tournament.
1: Yeah, well... I think there was one moment in the game where Mario blocked Stepe's shot and it just kind of summed up his game. Really, he was not on the same page. He was a little bit disconnected um, from the team. And, and, you know, as you say, you kind of expect that it takes time to adapt into a team and you're not going to draw conclusions off of Mario as a signing off of his debut, right? Uh, especially when he's thrown in there for his first start. That being said, Steve Schrundel was asked about this after the game and, and said, you know, why did you start Mario over Nathan? Um, specifically because Nathan's had a good tournament and Mario has never played for the team. Uh, obviously Mario's a big signing and Steve said a weird answer to me. He said, it's not about starting one player over the other. It's just a choice that you're doing. And to me, of course, you're choosing one over the other. I mean, that's, that's inherent. If you have two number nines, you're picking one to start over the other. Um, uh that's being said i think hindsight is 2020 here because when mario you know doesn't have a very good debut and nathan had been playing well and, and then goes and scores a banger in the lafc 2 game when they beat la galaxy 6-0 right Los dose i mean by that um so it it it's easy to say that and i think that you you know aren't saying that in hindsight i think you would have said that before the game um as well i'm sure you had that opinion i personally thought mario should have started before the game so i can't say that i would have um, not started him myself i i think that you know if mario goes and scores a goal then then every, the the entire narrative is different because that is the type of Mar- player mario is he is similar to chicho in that way is that he can be completely out of the game for 70 minutes and have one chance and get you a goal and that i think is why steve started him against monterey even though he's not necessarily fit into the team but as you say it clearly didn't turn out to be the right decision
0: yeah, look, look. You could be a great player and all these things, but uh, like you could have all the talent and stuff. But to me, rhythm matters, right? If you don't have any rhythm, Nathan Ordez had the rhythm. That's why you. I didn't even realize he scored uh, 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 with LAFC two against Galaxy. I'm not surprised that he scored because he is in rhythm, and that's a big thing. And to me, Mario, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm assuming he's gonna be a solid sign, He's gonna be good. But he's just not in rhythm. And when you play a tournament like this, you need players that are in rhythm, to understand and right. He played he played against Juarez. He played against RSL Nathan did. And yet, like to me, he, he it would have made sense to start him against Monterrey. He's already in rhythm. He can always, he, he has a. He he understands how Buonga likes the ball. He understands how Stevie plays. He's had months and he had it. He's had year like what I don't know like since last year he's been playing with the first team or practicing with them. He has that 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 he understands what the do's and don'ts with the team is right, and he had the rhythm already scoring the goal. So when a player is hot and a player is in rhythm and his players scoring goals in a tournament. You're you and you only. Play, I think he went to come in like the the seventieth minute. So I, whenever he came in, it was just not enough not not enough time for me. And that was a poor decision by Steve Cherundolo, which we'll get into. Uh, it was just poor decision making by Steve Cherundolo because he, he I think he maybe maybe overthought it because it's like yeah you got this big signing yeah you have to play him but like having players that are in rhythm and all these different things makes the difference for you. And I, I and I rewatched the second half. I rewatched the second half of the yesterday at home. And there was a point in time with Mario was just wasn't running. I think it was like in the 60th minute. He just, he was just gassed. He was tired, right? I think being in a rhythm and being in plain shape is a thing that, that I think he didn't take account for uh, with, with Mario, because in that 60th minute, I was like, he, he has no more legs. You know, he, he I was like, it's time to bring in Nathan Ordaz. And I, when I was thinking it, even the, 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 the commentator, the commentators said the same thing and it was just it was just interesting uh that and like um and i'm I'm just surprised uh sharon didn't think about that or, or yeah. see that. The,
1: the one thing i was going to add is that i, I think um and, and it was what i was saying before the game as well which is why i go back to it because i i hate going back after the fact and, and i know you're not doing that so but but uh and, and like changing my opinion is what i mean because I thought if you don't, if you have Carlos Vela, you start Nathan Ordaz, and that's the difference. If you don't have Carlos Vela, I think that's where I lean towards starting Mario, um, which, again, not the right decision, clearly. But I think it was the, you know, that experience that you don't want two very young players in there in such a big uh, scenario.
0: I mean, he did it against RSL. Nathan did it against RSL. That, to me, that that's the thing where, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? He did it all against RSL. And I think I, I know and I brought I think I brought this up to you. I, I said to whoever I was sitting next to I was like, Mario Gonzalez is starting. That's why I was like, I, even from the beginning, I didn't like it. And this is not me going back. I just didn't I right, just didn't right. like it. And that's why it's like to me, it's like, yeah, you got experience, but like he doesn't have experience with his teammates, and that right. matters, right? Like you can have experience. Not the teams, but knowing how your teammates like the ball and knowing all these different things. You even mentioned it. He ran into his own teammate. Like it was just, it was just a, it was just a lot for Mario. There was a lot of expectation from him. And I just, you know, it's unfortunate that that happened. And I, I think that kind of led, tr- a little couple, couple of Sharondo's decision makings led trickle down effects. 100% um,
1: and I think it's a great discussion because these are the two sides of it right the, the, what you're saying what I'm saying and I think Steve, Steve went with what I'm saying and what you were saying is right
0: right the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I, you know, it's not necessarily about being right. It's, just, it's more so like... You're the coach. it? it is about being right, (laughs) man. That's his job. That's his job to get decisions, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah. job is about being right, but it's just like, that to me, it was just like, you know, we'll we'll get into more, but it was just a poor performance by Steve Scherundelow, just how he managed and coached this game. It was just like, typically we can talk about players, being poor performance, but like, it's rare that you talk about the coach having a, a poor performance and it was just from top to bottom, it was just a poor performance on the game plan of what Steve Sharno did and what we saw the outcome. Cause there's certain things that I was like, we've seen better from him as a coach and we've seen do different things. And for whatever reason, this game, he, he, he just got it wrong, but he had opportunities, different opportunities uh, to right those wrongs within the game and he just never, never did them. Um, but let, let, let's talk a little bit more, more on that. Um, let's, let's talk about, uh, LAFC in, in the second half. Um, look, we could talk about the reps. We could talk about all these things, but what did you see, uh, going and starting to that second half LAFC? Remember is up to zero to start the second half.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that it really wasn't that much of a different game flow, um, because Monterey were just dominating possession the whole time. Um, I think it was, as I was said at the beginning of the show, it was an avalanche where it's like you can, you can only hold off the pressure so long if you're LAFC and you have to have these respites where you can calm the game down, have a little possession for yourself, get a little rest in your legs, right? Because if you're defending for 90 minutes, you are running. The ball is always moving faster than you. You are chasing the ball while Monterey is passing it around right? There's a big difference between those two things. And I think that's why you're saying as, as Mario, like if he's trying to press while the, the back line is just passing it around and he's trying to press from the midway line, that's going to be a difficulty for him. And, and I think that's what you saw. Like by the end of the game, players got tired, the the lapses, Sergei put one in the back of his own net, right? The, the, you know, a, a poor push out from McCarthy, in my opinion, that he shouldn't have spilled that so close to his, for, for the third goal for Morty. So there, you know, simple stuff like this, and it it could be a result of you know just trying to hold off that pressure for so long. It's very difficult. You need to find respites and LFC weren't able to do that in the game.
0: yeah, look, I, th- I think to me, um the biggest the biggest thing in the second half when you're up to zero, you know even a, even if you know that they're gonna have the, they're gonna win the possession battle and they're and they're gonna do this. the biggest thing to me, and I know I said this to you, I was like, I'm surprised, Tillman is not you know t- where's Tillman like what's up what's up with Tillman right the biggest thing to me like the first substitution Turundul makes is um Krastev in the 62nd mm-hmm. minute for Stipe, I was like okay that's interesting um maybe Stipe, I don't know he was he didn't probably like what Stipe was doing or whatever but brings in Krastev you see you see right after um uh right after that you know they they go to VAR and everything like that uh uh, Monterey gets that penalty. Uh, in the was a 60. I'm looking right here. The 66th minute they score. Uh, in the 68th minute, all right. So there's 22 minutes left in the game, right? Not not including extra time. Right. 68th minute. There's 22 minutes left in the game. You're up two one. Mm-hmm. Um, in that in that in the 68th minute, um, he didn't make any substitutions after that goal. It wasn't until the 79th minute when Nathan Ordaz came in for Mario Gonzalez. Right. To me, these players are gassed. You needed, you needed a substitution in the midfield. I think Kellen Costa had, had a yellow card. He, I think he he was committing a couple fouls. You needed a sub in the mid in the midfield. You could have brought in Tillman for Acosta or whatever. But the other thing too is I I wanted to see Nathan Herdaz, but to bring him in the 79th minute for Mario Gonzalez, which I agree, he should have came out. But I think you could also brought in Kellen Acosta and uh, Jesus Murillo or Mama Dufal to play center back because Giorgio Calini played 90 minutes. Giorgio Calini is great. He's also he's typically he's, when was the last time, Justin, we saw Giorgio Calini play 90 minutes for LAFC that you can remember?
1: Well, he did it against RSL, but to, to do it back to back games within, my I, I don't, I don't know. If he's done it back to back games this entire season, much less back to back games within a four day span. Definitely. Hasn't done that.
0: Yeah, but that they, they a game they had won it by like the second half, right? There was this was a competitive game. And you're talking, and I think that second goal, um, I, I know you mentioned John McCarthy like pushing it out, but like I think Kalini tried to slide, uh, or I think it might have been the third goal, whatever. Third, yes. third goal, Kalini tried to slide tackle, but Kalini. And I think Aaron Long were gassed. They were gassing in that back line, and that to me was like this is where Steve Schollino made, made made so poor decisions. You bring in you bring in two forwards, but you don't you don't adjust. If if you're losing if you're losing the midfield battle, if you're losing the possession battle, it's not because your forwards aren't doing anything. It's because your you, you, your midfield and your defense is getting worked. Well, and you, you and also the other team is better. But where you're going to feel the more pressure is in the mid, the midfield guys that are running and the defense that's trying to hold off the pressure from the from the, from them trying to score, and that's where I feel like Schranderlo completely bombed on his substitutions. He didn't bring in he didn't bring reinforcements in that midfield or in that defensive when you needed it. When you're up two one after that penalty, that's when you when you need to bring in and when you need to bring in those reinforcements. And it was like. That was kind of, it was like, to me, it's like kind of clear as day. Like, why did you not do that? And then obviously you could talk about the refs or, or whatever, or like, I don't even think this game was on the refs. It was just poor technical issues or whatever. It was me watching the, the replay of the game. I probably didn't feel like that for them or the players, but like, this game was so much more on those poor decision making on the substitution and knowing how to manage the game and control the game when you're up 2-0 and then you go you you up 2-1 and then you you don't even take it to penalties you lose they scored they scored 3 goals in 25 minutes and that that to me from a coach that 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 has his experience to this to going through this and and now like to me there's there's that there has to be a lot of doubt uh, and Steve Shrondolo and his decision-making after this, this this poor performance and embarrassing loss to Monterrey.
1: Well, that's what's so interesting to me because last season, everybody talked about how good Steve Shrondolo was at sh- making second-half adjustments, right? And LFC was a fantastic second-half team. I won't run through all the statistics for you, but it, they scored a ton more goals in the second half. They won games in the second half. They won points in the second half repeatedly, and that's how they won the Supporters' Shield and MLS Cup double. But in this game, when when Krastev came on, as you say, uh, he came on for Stepe. Now I was a little bit surprised he came off on for Stepe because Krastev is not a winger. Um, he's a midfielder. And I thought, as you were saying at that time, a midfielder needed to come on, right? And I didn't. And, and when it, he came on for Stipe, I said, okay, well, at least that makes sense. If you're trying to win, win the midfield battle, drop into a 4-4-2, put Denny and Mario in a front two, Krastev's a midfielder. Now you have an extra man in midfield that will really help you out, Right? But instead, no, Krastev goes directly into the winger position, stays in a 4-3-3, and you're continuing to lose the the possession battle. So I don't understand why Krastev is being played out of position, especially when you want a midfielder any, anyway. Like, yeah, Tillman. I, I, well, Till, Tillman, I, I don't know his fitness, right? You just don't know how fit he is. He came in in stoppage time. Like, how many minutes does he actually... Does he have 30 minutes in his legs? I don't know, right? He, this was his first game back. So... um that that's something that only the coaching staff knows but i do know that um krastev Look, has, if he's, has if he's available
0: left off left. the bench he's available to play you know right vella no, wasn't available you know I, I that, i'm with you i if he's, he's like, available like, to come oh, off the bench he's available for like 20 minutes 30 minutes or a half probably
1: least, you know pr- probably but probably right but what i do know is that krastev was put on the pitch and meaning he was ready and he was just put in the wrong position he was and so i believe if you drop into a 4-4-2 you have the ability to do, to, to fight for the ball in midfield a lot more um that's not what happened krastev i don't think had really any impact on the game um and, and so it yeah and, and as you say not enough substitutions either right if you bring in uh one substitution in the 68th or whatever one in the 78th and then uh and then wait for your last three in stoppage time like why are those three waiting for stoppage time um when you're down three two and that's when all all the subs come on right so i and i agree with you about chiellini i was shocked in my preview i said i don't expect him to play 90 minutes um i i I was i was shocked he played 90 minutes on that type of uh rest it's it's impressive first of all from him and hopefully his fitness is there but um yeah uh, it, it, there's a lot of question marks on those decision makings for sure.
0: Yeah. And the, the biggest thing too, is like you saw Rudy or Dufa like come, getting ready to come into the game and all these things. It was just like, whatever, whatever was holding back Shorundalo or, or for his decision making, I think this part is, this, this is such an embarrassing loss because not only did you not travel, right? You didn't have to travel. All your games were in LA. Granted, this was at the Rose bowl, right? Monterrey was tired. They were complaining about this tournament. League I teams were complaining about the refs, right? It, it, this tournament is set up for like uh, for, for for LAFC to like make it to the final, right? You didn't even make it to the final and you and you and you lose the way you lose in LA without having to travel, without having to do deal with all the things Monterey was dealing with, right? You could have you could applied the pressure a little bit more with the subs and all these different things and use that to your advantage. And they didn't. Steve Shunle didn't use any of that. And that's that's the thing is like, yeah, you could say, oh, they were tired. They traveled here and there. Like they came off from more than two weeks break and all these different things. Like everything was set up for LFC to win the game. They started off hot and all these different things. And it was, and I and I, and I hate to repeat myself, but it was on Steve Shunle's poor performance. Steve Shunle's not knowing how to like. It, it was kind of weird. It, it, they are just like, kind of just seem like there was like rookie mistakes from a from a I guess you could call maybe a veteran coach now, and that's what that's what's so alarming because that's so, what's so alarming uh, well, from Steve Sherlando, because what we've seen from him now right if we go back the other poor performance from him was against Club León right in him not being able to just even in that second game what León was doing was doing to LAFC and here you oh, you have the lead. And you and you you mentioned he was he was a great um, he's been a great even going back to last season he was a great second half adjustments coach and we didn't see that here even being with up the leading you mentioned that LAC had not lost a game being up was it being up at half or being up or being the first, the first one first score, for scoring the first goal that had not lost so everything was like set up for them and I feel like Steve I mean, look you could, the players play the game and all these different things but like I said, looking at this game, I you can't blame the reps. Can't blame the players. And you got to blame the coach because of his poor adjustments and not being bringing those reinforcements when you needed the reinforcements. And it, it like, it just, everybody that, I, that was DMing me and talking to me, they're like, why didn't you do this? Well, I was like, I don't know. Like, I literally don't know. And I think the biggest thing too, is like, I know, I know you got to stay for the press, press call and everything or the, the, the press conference after the game. Um, did at any point, did did he, did he take accountability for the loss or or, or in, in a way? Uh, I know he's not going to say, like, this was my bad. Or, right, but did, did you feel, did you hear, like, any accountability from Steve Shono's part on, on this loss?
1: I wouldn't describe it as accountability, no. The closest he came to accountability was congratulating Monterey on the victory um, and, and, you know, praising them uh, in, in their ability. Um, and you say, you know, you can't blame the referees, you can't blame whatever. So you Sherndalo did, absolutely, in the post-game press conference, said that the uh the that it was horrible refereeing um throughout the game, that VAR was misused and not used at the right times. Um hmm. one one specific incident he pointed out, which was a a discussion within the press conference room within reporters was um the Denny Bawanga incident with uh, the the Monterey goalkeeper in which the uh, blanking on his name, but he he comes over the top, punches the ball over Denny Bowanga's head. Denny stays on the ground um, and, and the goalkeeper, you know, topples over the top of him. Right. Um, Steve Shrondelow views that as a penalty. And that was a 50-50, the, but we thought we thought and, you and, and I talked about that. And, right? and, and, it was and the ref, the, the ref called it as a foul on Denny Bowanga, right. Going the other way. And so that, that's a big decision there and there are there was reporters in the in the uh, room that believe that agreed with steve shirondolo but i will tell you i do not and most of us do not that was clearly a 50 50 ball that the goalkeeper has jumped up and won if denny wants to stay on the ground that's his prerogative but that doesn't mean that he draws a foul by staying on the ground you cannot undercut a player much less a goalkeeper who is yes more protected than other players you can like it or not but they, the goalkeeper jumps up, wins the ball cleanly in a fifty-fifty. I don't know. I, I really see no debate on this subject. So I'm not sure why um, Steve Schrondelo believes that that is is a penalty. There are some other decisions for sure that that we can talk about. Um, but if you, you know, overall, if you if you're up two-nil, it's not about the refereeing decisions. And more importantly, when you go into the roster rules, I believe that roster rules are absolutely a fair criticism. But oh, uh,
0: no, 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 no. p- p- preface that, preface that, because. Um, because you mentioned uh, obviously he talked about the refereeing uh, and I I, I read your quote. Um, He's like, I do really think the the officials were a disaster misusing VAR and not using it at the right moments, just all around disaster tonight. That is crazy to say, because from all we, we've seen this tournament, look, if you're a Liga Mackey's fan or whatever, like some of the calls have benefited MLS teams. Like I'm going to just say it, like, you know, whether you agree with it or not, that that's the stigma on this tournament. For, for I, I don't Verona agree say, with. I don't agree with. No, no, no the But, 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 but yes. that's that's the stigma. Let's just go with that. That's the stigma of this tournament. And for him to say that, look, I saw the second half. And I saw. I, I, I rewatched it. I don't think that it was a misuse. It was just technical issues. That's what. It, that's what it looked like. They were just technical issues. And even the call on the Danny Buwanga initially, I thought it was. But then once I saw the replay on uh, uh, on TV uh, at the road, when I was watching the game live uh once you and i saw the replay you i think you even called that you're like that's not a foul yeah and i saw it and i saw the replay and i was like that's not a foul yeah right um but now let's get into uh Underlow talking about the roster rules which i think we would all agree but this has no effect in the game when you're winning 2-0
1: right and and that's and that's where it comes down to right because and let's look at this from a macro level to me, because there have been complaints from both sides, from Liga MX and from MLS, from coaches, from players, etc. From the league, Liga MX complained about the refereeing decisions, right? They put an official statement complaining, which was ridiculous to me. But be beside that point, they Liga MX teams will complain about the travel. They'll complain about having to play every game in, in the U.S., right? MLS teams will complain about roster rules, and and uh, LFC has complained about having to move to the Rose Bowl. Things like this, right? All of the all of them have legitimacy to their complaints. But as Tata Martino said, every single team in this league, in this tournament, agreed to play in it. So you agreed to play in this tournament. Put your players on the field. Try and go win it, and stop complaining. You know there are advantages and disadvantages to every team and every league around the world the the answer is not to just go complain in your post game press conference because you gave up a 2-0 lead or to complain and, and to complain about roster rules Steve Cronello does constantly and if he's if his goal is to influence MLS to actually change those rules that's great and I hope that they do but in, but from whether you're MLS or Liga MX throughout this tournament, I have gotten exhausted with the complaints from both sides because I don't understand when you agreed to play in this tournament. As Tata Martino says, just play and do your best. The winner will be the winner.
0: Yeah, and look the the, the, the the crazy thing too is is for for Chirano to bring up the Ross rules again after your loss, <laughs> you lost. It's you were winning the game. That 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 is the thing. You were, it wasn't the roster rules that lost you the game. It was it was the, the poor decision making, um, the last the last of the game. And look, <clears throat> you mentioned that like you said, one today was traveling a lot. They had the player that got injured. They had one of the best players get injured. Like there was a lot of things. Like a lot of this was set up for, was was set up properly for LAFC to in a way potentially have the advantage or you know not not fully play a fully healthy or fully, I don't know, with all the travel, whatever you want to call it, um, a fully stable team with all the things that they're dealing with, right? But even with all that thing, all that, you know, credit two months for dealing with all that, uh, all the different things that they had to deal with and, and to come back from this game, right? And to do all those different things. And it's just like, when I think the biggest thing too, is like, if you don't hear any accountability from serious from Rundalo, Uh, on this game maybe he will after he looks back maybe he won't but i think you want to hear or from what i'm hearing from the fans they want to hear some accountability from steve Sharundalo because this was on him
1: yeah and i just i don't think that's really the way that steve Sharundalo operates i've never seen him come into a press conference and say i made a wrong decision or this game was on me you know what i mean maybe one time he's ever done that i don't i i would have to try and remember because you know he he will talk about the things that went wrong. He will acknowledge when, when you know a team is better and outplays them and things like that, but it's generally uh, praising the other team. It's generally, you know, things didn't go right for us. We didn't play the way we wanted to play. Um, and so that, that, that can always be the excuse for sure, but if the results don't come, and I think that we look at specifically against the top league IMAKES teams right now, you can go and beat FC Juarez 7-1, but they are not a top league IMAKE's team. They are mid at best. And so if you are going and and getting embarrassed by Leon and then you go and get embarrassed by Monterey by losing, giving up a 2-0 lead, right? It's not an embarrassing scoreline, but it's embarrassing because of the way that it happened. You now go into Campoiano's Cup with a lot of pressure on your shoulders, right? Because you not only need to win a trophy this season, you need to beat a top league out of team and show that you can compete against them. And you can continue to complain about roster rules if you would like as a team, right? As LeFC, But if, if you get all these chances to come up against these teams and continue to lose, it doesn't really matter. The roster rules are what they are, and it will... Uh, it will always be that stain that if you can't beat top league MX team, and that's when when Campionas Cup, I think, is going to be really, really interesting against Tigres. Um, I think it'll be a great game. Of course, they have home field advantage again in that game. It will be at BMO Stadium, no Rose Bowl, no none of that at their home stadium. No uh, a- a- anything, you know. Um, so, I think that it's it's a big game not only for LFC but a big game for Steve Sherlander to prove that he can beat a top league MX team.
0: Yeah, and the, <clears throat> that's the biggest thing too, uh, outside of doubt uh, on Steve Sherondo and this and his and his, his decision making on Friday's game, it's also like you like you mentioned, he hasn't been beat a top league MX team. He didn't have to face Leon because RSL RSL beat them. You face Monterrey in in your sense you just get embarrassed just by the, the score line. And right, like you you mentioned Campiones Cup, right? There's two trophies left that they're, they're significant that you can win this year, right? You just mentioned Campione's Cup. Technically four, but yes. Yeah, I the, see. The I four. see where you're, I see where they, you're going. Yes, go. the, the the main ones are that 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 they haven't won yet. Oh, they they have, the, the the big ones to me are MLS Cup and Campione's Cup. I would even say Campiones Cup is like whatever because it's it's just the one off. It's on a Wednesday whenever they're playing Tigres or whatever. Anything can happen. So we'll we'll, we'll include it in there. But I think now there's a lot more pressure for LAFC to win. You have to win a trophy, right? That that's what this team is built for. That's what the the roster, uh, you know, this team, this, this roster is built for. Is you have one of the best rosters, uh, in in MLS. So there's going to be a lot pressure, a lot more pressure on Steve Cherundolo after this poor performance and they went and the way they went out in this tournament and what happened with Leon, and 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 for whatever reason he can't get it done, there's going to be more and more doubt on Steve Chirondolo. There's going to be more and more pressure on Steve Chirondolo. Look, the, is he not accustomed to pressure? And of course he, he understands it, but I think there's a different type of pressure when you're having poor performances and you're, you're essentially the reason why your team is not performing, right? Typically, your head coach, you don't really see, yeah, okay, maybe you subbed a player this and that, but like we, there's been now two different instances where Sharundalo has not, we haven't seen the best of Sharundalo for whatever reason and all these different things. This one, I don't know where the excuse is. You had the rest. You had you didn't have right you 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 had the rest you came off two weeks you smashed Juarez you you smashed RSL you're winning two zero and you shot yourself in the foot and then then the thing is is like you know we're starting to have these conversations there's a lot of fans already calling for his, for his head but I did not think that's way too early uh uh to even have those conversations about Steve Sharundo but like if this continues for Sharundo and the roster he has. He has a solid roster, and you should not be going out in this fashion. You should not be losing this way with the type of players you have and with the type of coaching staff you have and the type of things that you have at your disposal. Yes, the roster rules are are are, are, are a thing, right? The, but th- those things shouldn't be brought up when you lose to, to a League of Mackie side and when you're winning. Those things should be brought up after the season or, be, or different or just not when when you just lose. And I understand you're, you're frustrated and all these things happen, but people are gonna start having doubt in you as a coach when you have these performances and you you don't hear any accountability from what the fans have that's what the well, that's what I kept seeing and what I kept hearing from is like they want to hear accountability from him. Because if you look at this game or you didn't see anything in this game, you're like, how did they lose two zero being up being up two zero and they and this team scored three goals in twenty five minutes or twenty two minutes or whatever whatever this case is, like and he didn't make no subs, no midfields or defensive subs until like the 90th minute. If you just went off of that, we're like, well, what did the coach do, right? You know, you just start putting things together, and it's like, and I think having when you when when player when player when fans start to have doubt with you as a coach, when the media starts to having doubt as you a coach, then eventually players are going to start having doubt with you a coach, and then that's when things are going to start. That's when things start to get sticky. I don't think we're there yet, but if we're having these conversations. I could only imagine. I'm not saying I don't have no I don't I, I don't know if the the players feel the same way because I don't think they do, but once that starts to happen, Sheronda's it, it, job starts to get a lot more uh difficult.
1: Yeah, I definitely don't think it's anything with the within the the players yet. I think it's from the fan base because as you say, I think it's a little bit ridiculous to jump to, to those type of things just yet, right? Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's very reactionary. It's very, uh, you know, you're forgetting how good he was last season, what he's done um, in his first season as a first team head coach, right? So uh, I think all of those things, but I think what it really tells me more than anything is how big of a club LAFC has become. Because to me, what it means is that LAFC is the most high pressure job in MLS, and and right now you can i would put Inter miami maybe above them just in the past you know since since messi arrived right because that's what it is but when you're looking at um the club there there's no more pressure i don't think that there's any other club in mls that could win an mls cup and then have fans debating whether their their coach should be sacked the next season right especially after uh you know being what second in the western conference where lafc is right it, it's not been uh, a struggle overall, it's been a slump in the past two months. Um, and so that that just shows to me the, the type of pressure that is on this job. It is a European type. It's approaching that European South American type pressure, um, which I don't think is a bad thing at all. I think it's a very good thing. I think it's a growth in the league. Um, but I do think it shows that the, the LAFC head coaching job is one of the most pressure filled, if not the most pressure filled in all of MLS
0: yeah i'm with you but i put it, i put it behind into miami you got messy it's, it's yeah different. yeah yeah. no now that
1: mm-hmm. now that into miami for sure but you but you gotta like to, to surpass galaxy to surpass sounders to surpass you know these type of of pressure-filled jobs um which i i think that they have genuinely is a, a really big statement for the way that lafc has come about and the way and then the type of fan base as well that lafc has
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I don't think Shondell, and I'm with you on that—the the, the pressure and how it's growing. I think that that I think Shondale understands it, and I, I mentioned this earlier, but I think the sec, self-inflicted pressure is going to hit him different. The self-inflicted pressure is going to hit Shondell different because it, this was on him. Like you know, these 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 poor performances were on him, um, and and they the the pressure is already there, right? that that's it but when you have the poor performances that's when when you the fans and everybody else starts having these different things and doubts about you know these different things i still think he's just he, he should be the coach now if we if we see this now another third time then i think we you got you got to talk about it because you know because um there's too much talent for them to be going out this way there's too Look, much talent
1: Look, I'm I'm not even going to have that discussion on his job until the end of the season. I at the end of the season, I'll have it depending on results. But what on the pressure thing? I just it's interesting to me because you say it's that that self, but I he told me earlier this season that he doesn't feel pressure. It's not something he feels um oh. so
0: it, <laughs> well now he just, is after this after this no 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 I I not saying, i'm not saying i'm not saying i'm not
1: saying i'm not saying like at that moment i'm saying like he as a person says he doesn't feel pressure like that's not something he he puts on himself he doesn't think about pressure as as a concept
0: no he's very calm guy No, he's a very which which and i get what you're I, saying i think no
1: no i'm not saying he's right it. i'm just saying it's interesting for somebody to say that and it's a, it's a memory it's a it's a quote that stuck with me because i asked him you know this was a few months ago that he told me this um and and i remember it because it was like how do you not like how how does somebody as a person avoid pressure i'm i was a psychology major and not in in college you know what i mean i don't (laughs) understand how that's physically possible right so so it's it's an interesting thing for him to say and now the pressure is mounting right from the outside at the very yeah
0: now 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 watch we'll we'll look moving forward but once the the fans start chirping at, at him and you know I hope things turn around for him, but right now he's, he's just not good. You you, you look at the l a r c comments, Instagram page, right? Uh, look, I saw it happen with Bob Bradley. When things start to turn and people don't have faith in you, that's when the, that's when he's going to feel the pressure. And I, I'm pretty sure he wasn't able to sleep at night after this poor performance. That's, that's pressure, right? Whether he, whether he'll talk about it, right? After winning the MLS, MLS cup, right? Uh, you know, you can, you can decompress, you, you don't, you don't have pressure, but now with Leon. And now with this one, it's going to be, it's going to be hard to come back from this one. It's going to be hard. hard. It's just, is. it's going to take, I don't know when they play. I think they play again this week or this weekend or when the next the uh, league game is or the 20th, right. Um, in six days. But when they play that next game, it's going to be hard to come back from this. Yeah. Maybe they, they, they will win, but this is not going to go over until they beat a Liga on Mackey's team until that figured game. Right. Later was it this month or later in September? September whenever that that yeah. game is, that game there's going to be a lot of questions asked about him. Can he beat a Liga Mekis, a top Liga meki's team? That's that's going to be. Can you do it? Can you do it? Can you do it? Right until he does it. But even if he beats Tigres, right, there's people always going. Well, you haven't done it in a tournament. You haven't won in an actual tournament, right? And in a in a league's cup. That's that's I'm telling you. That's. That's the stigma but that's That's just, gonna, that's that's gonna, just that's gonna, finding
1: a way to criticize at that point. No, 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 no,
0: no. But I'm saying, but I'm saying that's what the fans and that's what people are gonna look for. Because it's like into until, until LAFC, <clears throat> same thing when, when it happened to valley he couldn't win the MLS Cup, right? And all these different things. Mm-hmm. I still think Trundle is a solid coach, but there is, like I said, there is doubts with his decision making. Um and we just never and like I wonder like it's so it's so weird for him to 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 perform in this way that's why it's so shocking i think that's why we're having this conversation so deep and all these different things because we saw a different churundelo last year where <clears throat> things were working for him these last couple months things haven't been working for him right and it, and it's just like it's just so weird to see because he's always been calm and collected i don't think we're going to see a different churundelo but i think once that pressure continues to mount you know you you're, you're going to start to see different reactions from him because look it's It's not easy when people expect you to win, and it's also not easy. It doesn't get easier when people don't want you to be there, right? And I think, like I said, we're still a long way from that. Um, Like I mentioned, he still should be the coach. I don't don't think there's doubt in his coaching decisions, but I think, to me, he should still be the coach. Now, like I said, another incident happens, then I think that's when we open up the discussion because uh, a team like LAFC has built themselves up to, to have this type of pressure, to, to, to expect to win every tournament that they play in, to expect to win MLS Cup every year. That's, what, that's why this team was built for, and that's what they're aiming for. And unfortunately, these are the things that come with it when you try it, when you want those things, all these other thing, intangibles come with the job, which he knew, which he knew. Like, look, Sharondola is not new to this. He knew. He, he knows all of this. But I think, I hope things turn around for him uh, this season
1: yeah no and that's the thing because when he i mean when he was his first meeting with 3252 they told him right when he was hired you got to go win mls cup this season and and he went and did it so yeah i I don't think that i I think it goes back to what i was saying the pressure the fact that we've gone down this rabbit hole for this in basically entire episode talking about shrundalo just shows the the type of pressure that this job has it is a pressure of of a top club in which you are expected to win constantly and if you are not winning constantly then questions are asked that that is literally what it is it has to be constant and if it's not constant which it hasn't been for the last couple months that's when questions are asked and um and as you say it's it's nowhere near time i i just said i would not even open this discussion until at the end of the season but it, it to me, it shows the type of pressure and how big of a club LAC is becoming within the league and globally as well.
0: Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. Uh, yeah, we don't, we don't need to c- continue with this. I think we kind of covered everything. Um, Justin, I know, uh, I know, like things went, uh the striker is no longer around, but you are do- still doing a solid job covering LAFC, covering soccer here in LA and different things. And I think you just started your sub stack. Talk to us a little bit about that, and how can people can subscribe, or how does that work?
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Appreciate it. So yeah, the Striker has gone on hiatus. My former employer, for anybody who doesn't know, um, where I would always write, and I have, you know, started my own Substack now. substackcom slash Justin Ruderman or whatever. You can find it on my Twitter. Uh, We can we'll put it in the description for this video um, as well. But yeah, subscribe there, um, free or paid, whatever you'd like for my uh, articles on there, And, and yeah just my coverage there. I'd, I'd appreciate that for sure.
0: Yeah, guys, uh, for those of you listening, watching, definitely, uh, give Justin a support. He's been putting on the work consistently for a number of years. Uh, so definitely, uh, if you're a supporter, or listener of mine, definitely go out and give him a support. If you like to read articles. He is in depth. And if obviously you hear him here weekly, um, if you want to read what he does, um, give him a follow on Twitter and also subscribe to the Substack. Um, But with that said, Justin, that's going to wrap things up for us. So for this deal, this is Justin. I'll catch you guys next time. Bye, everybody.